Because of the bureaucracy and corruption of the Indian government, things are just getting too dangerous. Between all of it, I did, you know, somewhere between $100,000 in sales at the age of 15. I know for a fact, even the company that I'm building, probably in 10 years from now, if it's not using the AI technology to its full advantage, it won't exist. Emotionally, you know when something is right or wrong. Mm. You let the logic decide what is right or wrong. Welcome to the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Show, where our goal is to uncover the truth about business and introduce you to the people, tools, and the strategies to make your mind, life, and money bulletproof. In this episode, I sat down with my good friend, Rohan Sheth. Rohan is the founder and CEO of GrowRev, a world-renowned digital marketing agency that has managed over $200 million in advertising spend and worked with some of the biggest brands in the world. In this episode, we discuss how he went from working at McDonald's and hating life to leveraging AI to make decisions that ultimately led him to becoming a multimillionaire. If at any point as you're watching, if this seems helpful to you, just tap that like button. It will help the YouTube algorithm show this video to more people. That said, let's dive in. So thanks for coming down, dude. Thanks for having me. It's yeah, been a minute. Man. It yeah. has been uh, has been a minute. I'm glad you were able to make it. And um, I'm of all the people that I was hoping would uh, be able to jam with. You're one of my favorite people and, and one of the most helpful people I've ever met. Thanks. So thank you. You're uh, I'm sure you recall with my my merchant challenges back oh, man, for yeah. four and a half years ago. Now you were uh, you were super helpful with referrals and and seemed to actually give a shit even though we we just had we just met and i was some random dude on the internet what uh for you like where have you always been that way just like help every goddamn buddy it's one of the things was, yes in a way yes the easiest one to answer that um for me it was like coming up being brought up with my family my family background is mm. coming from a pretty entrepreneurial background i always saw my parents just to help people and it was one of those things that they even taught me where it's like hey if someone needs help with certain things and you have the ability to do it and it's just a couple of conversations just go do it mm. and do it with you know never asking for anything because the world just kind of go goes around and, and kind of what you give you is what you're going to get and especially if you're close in a circle or if someone vouches for you specifically and in our world mainly what we do yeah like, i'll back i'll back most people that way yeah who was it was it lewis mocker that... it was lewis mocker yeah so we originally met and then well, and then and then I think we got closer because of Seconder. Yeah, because you guys are all close there, and then that's kind of how one thing led to another. We just kind of put it full circle. Through. Yeah, yeah, that uh, super cool. So you, it was your parents that instilled that in you. Yeah, interesting. Are they entrepreneur business owner? Yeah, so my dad, uh, my dad and my uncle um, actually started one of the very uh, first low cost carrier airlines in India. Oh wow! Uh, when we grew up there, they had one of the largest travel agencies. So like the first pretty much eleven years of my life when I lived between India, Dubai, and kind of traveling all over the world, um, it was just a crazy amount. Like we had my family offices were all over the world. Wow! So like, this is I, your dad? You said my dad and my uncle. Yeah. Okay. They ran a company, um, and then eventually they opened an airline. Eventually opened like a Greyhound competitor. Like it was a pretty large, large scale business out wow. there. Wow. 
Um, and obviously because of the bureaucracy and kind of the corruption of the Indian government, uh, my mom decided things were just getting too dangerous at a certain point for us. And she's like, nope, we're up and out. We're going to either move to Australia or to Canada. Canada gave us our immigration first. And that's when we moved. And I was 11 years old when that happened. Wow. Interesting. So were they, was your dad like actively instilling entrepreneurship into Not your blood or Not at all. completely different. how were you raised then They're raised like being obviously being coming from an indian background too um you know it's always school yeah focus on school get good grades can you be a doctor or what? Get, well, well they knew since i was a kid they want um i want to be a pilot because oh, okay. i've been traveling since i was two weeks old i've been on planes so that was the number one thing that i always said to my my parents when they asked me like my mom said i think the first time i ever said that was like two years old when i knew what it was like go get a job she's like you've always said you want to be a pilot i mm. think it was just the obsession for travel um and that was it it's like focus on travel get going get your pilot's license go get your pilot's license and that's eventually what they instilled I mean, like business was just there. Like mm. it was something that they never brought up, never talked about. But I think I just watched and just kind of subconsciously took in what they were doing and mm. learned and then eventually realized like, I don't want to be a pilot. I want to go do something big. When was that realization? When I was actually going to school. Um, so I finished dropped out of high school right at the end. I was like, I'm not doing this because I was like, I didn't need high school to get my pilot's license. Mm -hmm. so I was like, I'm not wasting my time. And then went into becoming a pilot. I literally and then when I applied to the university to get my pilot's license, they were like, yeah, we'll get you in. But then I started thinking out, like kind of out of the box. And I was like, they're going to the same, um, essentially flight school that I could just walk into and learn from. Hmm. Um, I'm paying them a ridiculous amount of money to get this course. It's going to be two and a half years. So on Saturday, I just literally drove to the the flight school. And I was like, what's going to cost if I come just do this entire thing? There, it was literally half the price. Hmm. So I'm like, I'm paying double the amount for a piece of paper. That's not going to mean anything because all that matters is the license. So I, was, I went and did that. I did pretty much a two and a half year course in 18 months. Um, so I got pretty much all the way through and then right is right at the end as i was about to go get my atpl certification um which is airline transport pilot certification i was like do i want to do this mm. and ironically enough i'd gotten an offer from a company um in northern canada to come fly for them as soon as i got my well, i was just in the midst of finishing my twin engine certification and then getting my atpl as soon as i finished those two they're like you're instantly got a job and i was like how much am i going to get paid and they're like it was a minuscule number. I was making more at the age of 18 running McDonald's than the number that they made, they gave me. And I was wow. like, that was like the defining moment. And after that, I just literally dropped that. I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Interesting. Just, that's, that's when my entrepreneurial career kind of fully started. So before I want to ask about that, but the, so my parents were entrepreneurs as well, Yeah. but they taught me like, go to school, get a job. Yeah even though that's not what they did yeah. which i found fascinating which is exactly what my parents did. um yeah. why do you think that why do you like it, it seems to be our you're how old i'm 34 i'm also 34 yeah. and you just had a birthday yeah. right yeah. i totally yeah. i saw that on my feed this morning yeah. i was like damn it i totally missed that happy belated birthday Thanks, sir man. i'm april 22nd okay happy belated birthday yeah all right <laughs> um what do you think it is about like our parents that make that made them do that like um, I, I still to this day have no clue the one thing that i kind of think about a lot when I, i've thought about that a lot even and especially since my dad passed um three years ago mm. is like why was he so focused on me just wanting to get a job why was he so focused on my brother wanting to go get a job and i think it comes down to one thing is fear like that's something that i kind of correlated back to is because being an entrepreneur like you really have no idea what you're going to get yourself into that's a fact like that's really what it comes down to so for them it's like they've gone through all 
all that, but it's like, we just want our kids to have stability. And, mm. the, and then it's like, they're portraying their fear onto us by saying, Hey, go do this. Don't do this. Yeah. But subconsciously you're like, why wouldn't you just go do that? Like, that's what I kind of, and I, I've even had conversations with my mom about it. And she's just like, well, couldn't begin to tell you why your dad would be that way. Yeah. No, it was your mom. What, what was so you? I never saw my mom actually work a day in her life until okay. we moved to Canada because we had such, like, you know, we grew up with. Was she more just taking care taking of family, family type family of thing? Yeah, okay. We had maids, drivers, the whole nine yards growing up in India. Mm. And um, and then when we moved to Canada, that's when I saw my mom go to work for the first time. And that's when my entire, like, subconscious was just, like, so like confused mm. one i'm like living pretty what is today called like lower socioeconomic background and then to eventually get to realize like my mom has to go to work what is this like this was all new to me yeah and then funny enough actually i just retired my mom on mother's day hey yeah so um so she's been working all the way through and then it's her 60th birthday coming up we're going to take her to turks and caicos and then i was going to retire on her birthday i was like you know what i'll do it before so she can go into her birthday a little bit more like calm and chill and when you say retiring my mom what does that like she doesn't mean have to work exactly. a day in her life again. So are you just, that means like, you, like logistically you're taking over the bills or everything. Just so my like, brother, yeah, my brother, my brother and I were pretty much taking over everything. Okay. She's, she wants to be part of our company now just because she wants to do something. Yeah. So, and her background is in finance and collections. Oh, so, okay. so she'll come in and manage like ARs and bookkeeping. Yeah. Go pay. break people's knees. Exactly. Like, give me my, give me my son's money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so she'll be like, just to kind of keep her busy. And then obviously with my daughter and things, she'll have more time to spend with her. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, like, it was weird for me to go and it's just kind of gone full circle now like even yeah. having this conversation and thinking about it right it's like the first 11 years never saw her work a day and the next like almost decade and a half two decades watched her work a tail off and then wow. now it's like go enjoy your life so when you dropped out of high school what was was that uh did they care did they not care did they raise hell um my i think it got to the point so i grew up being in india you're kind of taught to just grow up with like a 99 percentile like honor student all the way through yeah um had that mentality all the way through till like grade nine grade ten when i moved into camp when i moved here in canada so grade six through grade ten here still honors and then i started to realize i'm like i'm never going to need any of this stuff like i was just kind of all i was already like i was reading um like personal development books online mm. and stuff or like just going and buy them because someone had given me rich dad poor dad when i was 15. oh wow um just uh, accidentally just like oh you should read this book it's a pretty cool book yeah um and like that was like the first kind of like just thought pattern and i was always thinking about it. it's like when am i going to use this chemistry stuff i'm never going to school when am i going to use this physics stuff for, for flying physics made sense but then it just got to the point where my mom kind of was like realized like he's not going to listen like he's just <laughs> not going to listen so she was like as long as you get good enough grades to keep yourself like not getting expelled or doing anything stupid she goes i don't care what you do wow um i was working at mcdonald's at the time full time as well at the age like 16 17 i turned working at mcdonald's full time um my dad hated that i dropped out not only did i drop out of like essentially dropped out of uh high school but i also dropped out of college too yeah right because right at the end i was like fuck this i'm out i'm done yeah um and then it, he didn't get it like he didn't get it for years mm -hmm. even and like only towards it towards the end when he was like you know on his last legs before he passed was like i can finally understand what wow. you did what you did and he's like because he's like you are the only person that'll back you and you've never given up on that i was like Thanks for saying that finally. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I dropped out of college too. Yeah. I, I went through high school, but college, same type of a thing. Mine, instead of being a pilot, it was, uh, it was golf. Oh, right? nice. Yeah. So play golf in college, then dropped out. I had played in a couple of pro tournaments as yeah. a college student. And I'm like, I could play with these guys. Yeah. Like I could do this. And turns out in order to be a professional golfer, it's kind of like in the world of entrepreneurship. The, if the only way to actually make a living is to be in the top hundred businesses in the world. Oh, wow. 
that's pretty right. much yeah. pro golf. Yeah. So like so you're, you're if you're, nobody, if you're you below that, that yeah. you're like a you're you're actually can't function in life. Like you cannot make an income. It's brutal. I didn't realize it was that difficult. It's that difficult. Mm. So I realized that. Uh, so that's how I got my start into entrepreneurship as I had to get into into something that uh, I could actually make money at. So I'm curious, after you said no to the pilot thing, what was your first like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur thing? Um, well, I, I didn't even realize it, but I'd already done it when I was in high school, the mm. very first thing. So when I was in high school, I was buying these little pocket bikes, like these little tiny crotch rocket things. Nice. Well, I just bought one for myself as it was on Craigslist. It was. Yeah. And I was having fun. It was like ripping around my high school one day, right by my house. And it just started gaining a lot of attention. Mm. And then once this thing started getting a lot of attention, people were like, where do I get it from? And in my head, I was like, instantly, I could, like, I could just intro them to the guy that has it. Or I could figure out where he's getting it from and then yeah. just buy some and do it. So I did like a couple rounds of them. So I'd buy like 10, sold out of them, buy 15, sold out of them. And then once I, one time I just bought half a container. And between all of that and then that sold out, then I bought an entire container. And then that one was a crazy story too. But between all of it, I did, you know, somewhere between $150,000 in sales at the age of 15. Yeah. And, and just accidentally did that wow so when i dropped out of when i dropped out of college i was like okay what was the one thing that i really truly enjoyed mm. are you still using manual spreadsheets to track the sales in your online coaching or agency business or worse not tracking at all if so i'd like to invite you to check out teddy a brand new data tracking system specifically designed to scale high ticket online businesses at any revenue level teddy combines all your marketing sales and financial data together in one place makes it easy to read and has ai that tells you and your team how to grow plus it integrates with the crms and softwares that you already use Hundreds of industry leaders, including Brandon Carter, Elliot Hulse, Justin Saunders, Casey Ship, have already made the switch to Teddy. And for a limited time, you can click the link in the description for a free instant demo. Now, let's get back to the show. Um, and after I did that whole pocket bike situation, I went and did Cutco sales. Like I was one of the first. Yo, yeah. for real? Yeah. Me too. I door feel to like we probably had this. We probably had a conversation. But yeah. Yeah. I, I did Cutco sales for a uh, a summer and a half, um, like, so just past like, like, and they took me in at a very young age because I think it can't. They, I had to get my mom to approve it and a whole bunch of crazy okay. to get him to do the sales, but they allowed me to do it. And I was like, I really enjoyed the process. I didn't like towards the end. I was like, I don't really care to sell knives. Like I was, yeah, sixteen year old. That's kid, the like, best sales training to date by, that I've gotten anywhere by far. By far. I mean, at the time, it was like it's the it's like your first car is a Rolls Royce, right? Yeah. Like you don't know, yeah. you have nothing to compare it yeah. against, and then you realize. That every other car like sucks. Good person, dude. Yeah. That's still to this day. I I use a lot of what I've learned to train my team from like there. from yeah. Cutco because it, it's so it's yeah. so good. Yeah. So that and so that methodology and that mentality when I dropped out of school I was like okay well I want to go back into sales mm. and I remember just being on Craigslist and just a, applied for every single sales job like I didn't care if it was corporate sales or anything yeah. I just applied for everything I'm like law of averages someone's gonna call me like it was just <laughs> typical mentality yeah and I got a phone call literally I think it was a couple days later um from a company that was doing door to door sales mm. uh, but when I did Cutco sales I was like kind of selling to friends and family yeah Very yeah different, and right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is door to door sales. Yeah. Now, this is a whole different sales mentality. Is, yeah. So they the whole process of going through the entire 
interview process where you go in it's like his whole team they're all like in suits and you know women are dressed nice i'm like okay this looks like a pretty cool sales gig they don't tell you it's door to door till the next interview when you get out there they can put you in a car and you're driving like an hour out of the city and you're like what the hell am i getting myself into but it was one of those things where i was like i remember being like beautiful weather was a good news because living in vancouver like you only get like four months of the year that's like you know beautiful weather so i was like what what's the worst here i could do like let's just give like if i get the opportunity let me try it i took the opportunity on um and eventually was there for two and a half years doing door-to-door sales wow and did you crush it like right out of the gate no or? actually like okay. i almost got fired oh okay so nice. first because 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 it's such a high churn it's just a volume game for door-to-door sales yeah. and people um usually within two to four weeks they know if you're gonna make it or not mm-hmm. and literally had a conversation with the guy that ran the office three weeks in because i hadn't gone and even sold one thing for three weeks i'm working six days a week knocking 120 doors a day not sold one thing right um i'm like this is ridiculous and then he's like dude if you don't have a sale by i think it was like a wednesday conversation but he's like if you don't have a sale by the weekend i gotta let you go i was like oh shit so what were you selling uh this time was deregulation of gas so it's like when gas got deregulated in bc okay and uh, you were selling what like just contract like just contracts like it was just getting people to sign up to just lock in their prices on like their on their gas prices okay yeah fascinating and it was it was a really interesting sale and then that turned so they got the first sale that day after that conversation and i, I don't know what changed what what didn't maybe it was just like you know because it was a forceful outcome yeah. like i needed to get the sale and then three weeks later i was a top producing salesperson in that office and then shortly after that, it was just like one thing after another. It was like top producing in the in the province, and then top producing for Canada. So what what do you, have you went back and identified what did change? Because how do you go from that to that overnight? I think it just comes back down to who talks about putting in your hours, like your ten thousand hours. Mm. Like that's really what it was. Obviously, it wasn't ten thousand hours, but right. just mastering it. Like the one thing that I've learned through sales over time was, you know, most people learn sales in a way where. Is like just follow a script, follow a script. Great, they work. But it, the only way it's going to work is adding your personality to it. Yeah, I'm understanding how to communicate through that. So what I, what I think the biggest thing that changed was I used like the elements of the script, but I had just had conversations with people. Sure. Versus where I was before, I was like trying to sell based on the script, and that was yeah. I think the inauthenticity from that was coming across, and that's why it wasn't working. And then as soon as that clicked, it was just like game over. Yeah, I um. Man, I feel like I want to have a sales training conversation right now, uh, but the audience for that is much smaller. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but that's super. That's super interesting. Um, you, when you so so from there, you what? You were there for two and a half years. How did you go? And this was how long ago? Two thousand and nine. Two thousand nine. So how did you go? I don't need to know like every step of the way, but now you run GrowRev does. That you guys spend what a hundred million a year? This said? year, this year will break one hundred and twenty. And what do you guys generate for yourselves? Um, like what is your well? If you top line, if you want to reverse engineer numbers outside. So just on spend alone, we'll get anywhere between eight and fifteen percent mm. from our clients. We'll take an average of ten percent across the board. So that's what twelve million just on spend. Is that your model? Is you just get a percentage? So, and then we have retainers on top. Okay. Too. So like and then so like that just on spend this year we'll make twelve million. Yeah. Um, and then on and then on top of that, like we're pacing this year to probably be some. Somewhere around the 30, 30 million dollar mark. Sweet, yeah. well, good job. Yeah. <laughs> so um, awesome. it's been it's been great. Like and and then there's also stuff that we're doing outside through acquisitions. We just acquired a company in Australia. I fly to Dubai next month to acquire a company in Dubai to finish up that acquisition. So we're growing through acquisition now. So not only are we doing, um, you know, just word of mouth and like funny story. We spent one hundred and twenty million dollars this year. 
in my lifetime of running grower, I've probably spent less than ten thousand dollars in ads for my company. Yeah, it's is, interesting how that yeah. works, isn't it? On the agency, uh, if you if you're good at yeah. the agency agency world, yeah. The, uh, world, yeah, that seems to be the thing. So you you've sold a lot, you've advertised a lot, you've done a lot of business all around the world. What's like the number one lesson that you've learned so far about business that? The biggest thing that I learned about business is, no, is if you're looking at it from a mindset, human behavior perspective, I think it's just understanding that you have to be relentless. Mm. Like that's literally. What does that mean for you? Because I know there's the Tim Grover definition. There's probably how I would talk about it. But it's just it's just like you know, even like look at yourself for example, going through what you went through. You know, you sold the agency, you went through your whole um, merchanting situation. You were really you even. I remember the conversation where it's like you just picked up the phone and called. What is it, Stripes CFO or something? Wasn't it the head of the risk department? Head of risk department. Um, I, this, a guy slid me his number yeah. and uh, said, if this comes back that uh, I gave you this number, it's not going to be good for you. Yeah. So I and I cold called him. But that's like that's a perfect thing. <laughs> you will do whatever you need to do yeah. to get the outcome that you're making for. And then also coming from understanding, you know, so you're building a business, not just for the lifestyle or for the financials or whatever it comes down to. It's like, how many people am I serving at a greater need at a, at a greater volume from the difference that I'm making every single day? Right. Like that's one thing that it comes down to. Like for me, it's like the way I look at it and what I'm talking to my team about it is, yes, we have, you know, our 40, 50, 60 clients at any given time, depending on what we're managing. But it's like, it's not the clients that we're making a difference. Yes, we, we have a direct correlation to that. But it's like, how much are they making a difference to a larger part mm. of the population? How much, are, like, where is this, the ripple effect that most people don't see? And Absolutely. getting people to think yeah. about it that way. So you're thinking it from a larger perspective um, is what really changes. changes yeah. for me. The term ripple effect is, is one of the, it's my main focus. Mm-hmm. It, it, the, like why I started Bulletproof Entrepreneur is just to have the biggest ripple effect that I possibly can have. And like the work that we do, of course, yeah. is to, you know, help entrepreneurs specifically perform better, get their shit together, you know, and uh, people are like, well, this stuff could be used by anybody. And I'm like, I specifically work with entrepreneurs, A, because the marketing story makes more sense, but also because once you're able to get an entrepreneur performing at a higher level, they're influencing their clients, their team, their customer, and like all of that is just like way exponential. So we are on the same wavelength. So, okay. So be relentless. Now, how about most people aren't no. right so most people listening to this are not what you would determine or i would determine probably is relentless what do you say to these people that are toying with the idea of like i say i want to be successful i say i want to be the successful entrepreneur person yeah. um i like the idea of being relentless but i just can't quite get myself to be that what do you say to these then people just be an entrepreneur just don't don't try and don't try and fake it mm-hmm. because like i see this all the time like even like team members that will come in they'll learn they'll see because you know we work in a very interesting section of the industry and they think you know it's like oh yeah i can just go make a million dollars next year and like we, we promote it to a certain degree just because then can you do it yes absolutely mm-hmm. but it also a lot of what it takes is a lot of you know you've got to be willing to commit to it you need the, men- the mental grip um and they go and try and do it and they can't do it yeah and then they come back from asking for their job you know a year later or six months later and the people need to understand the definition is like you can have the entrepreneur mindset or the entrepreneur capabilities but not have the mindset to handle what's going to come at you hmm. 
and if you're not willing to take that on find be somebody else's number two and be the best fucking number two you can be because you'll get a bigger outcome doing that now how would you explain i agree wholeheartedly how would you explain when you said what's going to come at you how would you explain to uh those listening or watching what's going to come to them if they're maybe in their beginning stages or heck even a few years in yeah well i was just having this conversation with alex who you just met whose family is like one of the wealthiest families in in north america and i was like it's funny to about what was it pre-covid i remember having a conversation distinctly with one of my partners saying you know we've built this thing pretty phenomenally like you know, yes, we have our highs and lows on, on revenue and everything else, but we've never really had to deal with any lawsuits. We never had to deal with any bullshit, no team member craziness. All of a sudden you hit this and he goes, you'll hit this tipping point in business mm. where it's like, it goes from, you know, just hunky dory. No problem. Every day is a good day to, you want to keep pushing the universe can come start testing you. And it tested the living shit out of me in the last three years. Um, from, you know, I've had more lawyers on, and I don't mean this in a, like no way I would proud of it, but it's just like, because I didn't expect any of it to come out yeah. anywhere. I've had more lawyers on retainer than I even proud of even having. But at the end of the day, it's just because for some reason, people like doing stupid shit and they like suing you or you need to kind of set a ground and going through that whole thing. It's like, you have to have the mentality to be able to handle that. You yeah. know, people are going to steal from you. People are going to lie. People are going to do things that they're going to try and use you. And if you can't just, you know, water on a duck's back, good luck because it's going to emotionally eat you up and spit you up so how do you deal with that i just look at everything in balance like literally everything to me is a balance you know like i said i went through how many years of business never had to deal with it this last few years of dealing with all the craziness is just an education phase it's balancing maybe i was infatuated it's putting me on the other side of it right like that's really what it comes down to um and my big thing is as long as it doesn't take me off track of what i'm aiming to do it Mm. doesn't really matter um i don't get I don't get pissed off about it. I don't get emotionally upset about it. I just like deal with it in the moment. What is actually happening? Deal with that. Don't create stories. Don't create perceptions. Don't create assumptions and just deal with the fact. Yeah. So how do you determine whether something has taken you off track or not? And the biggest thing is I'm, I'm one thing that I'm very, very, very focused on. Um, and even like I've had lots of conversations with people around this is they're like, I don't understand how you can handle all of that and act like nothing's going on. I'm mm. like, because nothing is going on. The only thing that is really going on is what I'm going to let affect me. And if any of this stuff comes at me and it emotionally takes me out of play, and I can't be logical about it, and I'm not making the right decisions. Um, so one of the things that I'm very, very, very focused on, it's obviously I've got coaches and you know mentors and stuff around me that I work very closely with. And if, like, if it's something that's really bothering me, then I'll go to the right person and then just work through it. Yeah. Because I don't want it to fester for more than like two days the max because because it's going to take me off track everything else yeah so uh, do you do something practically to like remind yourself it's like um, what's it spend two days yeah. um <laughs> or for me it's just, just, just i like i just i've gotten to the point where now it's i just kind of feel it like yeah. it's just like if i just, if i'm constantly thinking about it and it's just emotionally like that just like a gut feeling inside where i just cannot get rid of it or i can't shake it by just doing the work myself that's when i'll just reach out and get you know work with one of my coaches and usually within an hour's call or hour and a half call i would i'm back to yeah yeah maybe speak a little bit to what what happens on these hour-long calls um well i got different ones so like on one end i've got like i've got an nlp coach mm-hmm. um that she helps me just kind of look at you know what patterns and this she's been coaching billionaires forever um and she's just like and then she'll give me ideas based on what her experiences with all of these people that are going through stuff so there's that just like if i'm noticing a pattern coming up 
over and over and over again. I'll go to her, figure out where the root cause of pattern is, deal with it, move on so it doesn't show up again. Um, some of the other ones is, you know, one of the my very close mentors is Dr. John D. Martini. Yeah. And I've worked very, very closely with him over the years. So if, like if it's really big, like when I got a massive lawsuit a few years ago, I went straight to him. Yeah. And that was the very first phone call that I had to get through. Yeah, you got sued by uh one of the largest premier social media networks yeah. in the world. Yeah, for what was that like? That was an experience and it was a PhD in law like I've never ever gotten like mm. because I'm especially and the biggest thing is most people are like you're an idiot for taking them on because I literally just took them on because mm. they, they fought unfair kicked me off the platform um, for I think it was like 10 or 12 months I was gone couldn't use anything they kicked my eight month old daughter off the platform for for no reason mm. at all um, and I was like you know what for me it's just it's all based on context I'm going to fight on context that's all it came down to um, because at the end of the day I still knew I had my other company because they were coming after one of yeah. the other companies I still knew I had my other company and I was like as long as that doesn't get affected I'm going mm. guns blazing um, and through the that process didn't affect your ability to like advertise with uh, no company. well technically I well I couldn't Right, but I literally haven't uh, been able. To, I really haven't needed to now because I'm just running the company at yeah, a yeah, very yeah. high scale. Uh, but it didn't touch the company at all. Okay. Um, and then yeah, so when we got sued by them and essentially stole the company right underneath their feet, um, that one mentally took me out. Mm. Like it was. What context can you give? Uh, because right now it just sounds like you're a criminal without any con speaking of context, what context? So I built, yeah, get? so we built, so we built a SaaS product for this, uh, that was used for the social media platform that no one else had done before. We had some of the biggest influencers in the world. And I mean, I'm talking like the Paul brothers level mm -hmm. influencers, um, that were using it and we were growing insanely fast. Like it was a lot of attention really quickly. And you know, the balance of it, it comes out to if you're going to get a lot of attention, you're going to go grow really fast. You're either going to have a big win or you're going to get balanced and brought right back down to earth. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's what happened. And I was definitely highly infatuated by that with it. I did all the work around that. Um, because we were getting offers left, right and center that mm. were in the millions and millions and millions of dollars, um, for valuations. And, I was like, okay, well, here we go. And they came in and said, yeah, and we were having full conversations with them to partner with them, et cetera. And it was like left hand ain't doing what right hand's doing. Or they just not talking to each other. The other company, their sister company came in and said, nope, you're done. Hmm. And uh, they gave us, they played, this is how unfair they play. Friday at 4 p.m. they sent you a cease and desist to stop. And they give you 48 hours to respond. What lawyer is going to respond on a Sunday? by sunday no one so if you can't respond by sunday by sunday 4 p.m you're pretty much cooked on sunday 4 p.m on the dot gone off the platform wow um and then it was just a battle and mm. it was a pretty large battle obviously i can't get into the nuances sure. of it um but it was a pretty large battle that took me you know almost crippled me in a way mentally but it was yeah. one that it, but through the process though one thing that i'm definitely grateful for is through the process i started to have multiple conversations and kind of people coming out the woodworks of the, this specific thing happening to multiple people mm. not just this company but me, other large sure. companies doing that where it's like a monopolized situation and i was like i'm grateful to be in a position where it's like i can willingly fight this and mm. do it for do it for the right context not the wrong context um and then eventually we got to a point where you know we settled um and but obviously settled for different reasons and um lost the company in play but i got my account back i'm able to do what i'm able to do today um got my daughter's account back which kind of was an interesting one that obviously 
we can talk about after, but not on the podcast because that's kind of how I got around winning that lawsuit uh, or settling with that lawsuit. Um, and yeah, that was the biggest one. And then from there, it was just like that taught me so much that it's just like if I can go through that, taking on one of the largest companies in the world, and I'm just a peon compared to them, um, I was like, I can do anything. Yeah, like, that was like the mentality shift for me over the last two years. Yeah, fascinating. What was it that uh, there's a couple of things that you said in there. One of the things I want to ask you about is the right context versus the wrong context. How did you determine what the a that it was worth the fight? Mm -hmm. And B, what is the right context? Well, the biggest one for me was, okay, you want to come at me, come after me, no problem, right? Sure. Did I, there was a lot of, there was all, they were making a lot of claims inside of the suit that made no sense that mm. we were not doing because we were having conversations with their sister company about it. They knew exactly what we were doing. So all the claims that were coming off was completely false. Hmm. So that was context. What were they suing you for? Like, were they were they saying you give us money or were they just yeah, saying they, they, like, wanted, they were they were coming after cash um, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Um, hmm. um, so it wasn't just you guys need to stop. Yeah, it was cash too. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, we were able to squash the cash one pretty quickly. Um, and then they were trying to go after us for breaking privacy laws, all this crazy mm. shit. Like all these claims that were not true. And they knew blatantly what they were doing because literally after they took us down, two weeks later to the day, they launched the platform internally. Hmm. Right. So it was just like, it was so ironic how that happened. And it looked very similar to our UI. Very, so they, because they were already in, in, inside of our platform. Hmm. Um, and they played it very, very dirty on that part. Nice. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. So the, you were fighting under the right, wrong context. So there was that idea. one. There was the other one was obviously them taking down my eight month old daughter, thinking hmm. they literally said that she could be part of this platform. And I'm like, she's eight months old. Hmm. Like she can barely even do anything but sleep eat and shit interesting like like the stuff that we were going after and then it was just and then for me it became you know going back to the beginning part of this conversation was when i started hearing conversations of people just unfairly taking advantage of and not having a back to fight against mm. i was like no now i'm going to fight for what's right and actually go and make a point here mm. that's going to be for not just for me but also for other entrepreneurs that are trying to do something that's going to bring more value and you guys are just using and abusing them for no reason yeah and so in the in the settlement did you end up having to give something up I, I lost I, did, I just gave up the company because the one thing that they did is because they plugged it for so long and yeah. when, you, when you're dealing with these companies they're dragging this thing out like what we could have settled in 90 days gone back our merry way yeah. they dragged this out for as long as they could yeah. because they knew it was going to drive up legal fees all that good mm -hmm. stuff um and by then i was just like you know what i just want to go back to doing what i know i'm good at doing just yeah give me my damn accounts back give me my daughter's accounts back keep whatever you want and keep i'll move on yeah and i just was like and that's kind of what it was there was other nuances that came with it sure um uh, but it was just it was so um it got to the point where it's like we could have literally had this conversation over two hours over like a boardroom table and we would have been so like yeah solidified yeah because in the end they realized like none of their claims mattered yeah. just but they squeezed it out to the point where it's like we like trying to relaunch that company at that point was just pointless yeah, it's interesting, right? Because we're we're constantly faced with uh, picking battles, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and and accepting some things that we'd otherwise and under other circumstances 
not accept. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, what is your decision making process on whether or not this is a battle worth fighting? Not necessarily just in in fighting a company, but whether you say something to a team member or not because of a certain context or you know picking, the, the, the biggest your yeah, battle. Yeah, the biggest thing that I look at is like how much is this going to make a difference in my day to day life, mm-hmm. and how much is going to make a difference not only for me and my clients and my team. Like, is this worth? Is it just something where it's like just close the door and move on because yeah. like, that's 99.9% of the situations that I deal with. Like, and the bigger you get, the more team members you get, the more clients you get. It's just, it's a whole day. Every, every day is something new. Um, but then are they, are they just doing, if, if it gets to a point where it's like someone's either trying to use, uh, like use me or abuse me in a way they're trying to, you know, demean, uh, like t- kind of talk down to my team or kind of abuse my team. Like we've had clients do that. Um, and it was just like not happening. Mm. You're out, you're gone. And I'll just kind of, you know, and then I'll make sure there's, there's a point there or you're just blatantly trying to steal. Yeah. Right. Like it's like, go earn your stripes. Like if you're blatantly trying to steal, then I will make sure that you, it's known. Um, and you know, it's like when people are, and especially in our world, it's like stealing content, stealing clients and all this stuff. Right? It just turns into, unnecessary bullshit where it's just like there's enough money out there go get an abundance mentality and go deal with it yourself and like actually go learn how to do it because even if you steal from me that's fine habit but guess what eventually it's going to happen to you because now your pattern is going to be creating for yourself subconsciously so now you're going to be sitting in fear thinking who's coming to steal this client from me Whereas you, your, your mentality is so different where it's like, if you really want to do that and that's how you're going to do business, go ahead because I know I can go get more. Yeah. How do you then, uh, because we are in an interesting industry, all online business is fascinating. Yeah. It's wonderful. And also it is definitely a double-edged sword yeah. because you can so easily steal things and things can so easily be stolen from you in yeah. terms of just IP, copy, imagery, yeah. just you name it. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what where do you draw the line between borrowing <laughs> and that's too much like you've 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 totally stolen that where where do you draw the line um well borrowing is simple like in terms of i was literally dealing with this on the way here uh one of my good friends in the industry like his content is just being completely plastered all over the internet mm-hmm. and now it's just getting to a point where it's getting worse and worse if you're going to reach out to the person and be like, hey, I'm going to share this piece of content and actually tag back and tag you back for it. So you get they know that, yes, I'm using this for attention, but I'm saying where I got it from. Mm. I'm cool with that because where it's coming from, you're giving back. thing, You're giving back the true claim. If you just copy, paste, go and have chat GPT change it up a little bit for you and then go post it out, you're asking for it trouble like that's kind of what it's come down to at this point in time because um and i think that's what also our industry's gone to a point where it's like it's gotten people lazy because mm-hmm. like people have given up what just using their thing between their two years is their brain and actually come up with something unique and spend the time to do it where it's just easy to copy paste and especially with ai now right yeah so you can just have anything regurgitated and cleaned up and make it sound like it's yours but it's like people are going to figure out that it's not yeah so what do you see so as we're recording this it's what may 20th i think today 2023 uh we're i guess probably like what six seven months into the chat gpt era yeah uh what i use it for i use a lot of ai i'm curious for you what do you see the landscape of of how ai affects uh business as a whole but specifically like our online business world like where did where are we going i think it's here to stay 
right? I love it, to be honest. We're building some platform right now. Like we've been testing things out for like it's literally gonna make my efficiency on my client side like insane. Like yeah. about 30 to 60 days max of stuff that we're going to be launching internally and externally with uh with offers is gonna be wild um i use it for literally everything like what do you what's your favorite thing that you that you do um it? like on a day-to-day like on a day-to-day, yeah yeah on like a day-to-day practical, basis, oh, practical tactic if i'm at home it's like oh i want to make i want to make something to eat i don't really know what i want to make eat i'll literally put all the ingredients that i can find in my fridge or in the pantry put it into the chat gpt and say make me a recipe and it literally just makes you a recipe like just ridiculous stuff like that um um, I have, I've had it, um, literally read legal documents for me that like, you know, it's like, Oh, what am I, what am I not paying attention to here? Mm. And it'll just tell me what, what I could be on the hook for, for certain things. And it's just like, even just like NDAs in certain situations that we have to sign all the time. Um, especially with the brands that we're using it for, um, what else I have it like literally reminded me, like I built out like, because I'm traveling all the time for work. It's like, what, and I'm always forgetting stuff, like always forgetting stuff. So it's like, I literally put in 34 year old male going on business trip, usually in like sun, sunny destinations, build me a packing list and literally spits out a packing list for everything that i need it's just so simple where she's like because i'm because we're so busy all the time it's like i forget mm. the little things so it's like now chat gpt is just on my phone all day long for that yeah um that's on just day-to-day practical side but what we're building now on using it to its insane capability uh and understanding how to use it specifically i'm partnering with someone very very well known in this and we're building a tool around an engine where it's like it's going to automate pretty much all of your marketing mm. um your copywriting your statuses your vsls your webinars push out decks everything um we're doing we're just um, even on the email side of things and then as well as one of the things that we're coming out with is going to be like brand decks like we're working with a lot of big brands now um and you know we're going to these guys that are doing 100 150 200 million dollars they go what's your you know, brand deck do you know what your voice is your, your vision your mission like none of it so literally this tool will go in with the you know fill out a form um, and I'll pump out a 65 to 100 page brand deck for you and literally just go research your entire company and pump it out within 30 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Like yeah. I'll show you after, after yeah. this so you can see what, what kind of stuff it's doing. That uh, honestly, that's kind of where I've been. I've been messing around with it more and more, especially recently is like I'm, I'm kind of in like a cleanup phase of different parts of our company, mm-hmm. cutting fat and just like reorganizing stuff. Um, and uh, I'm learning that how you ask it questions is like the biggest thing it's such i knew like as soon as it came out i'm like i knew this was going to be a thing like that was going to be the skill Mm -hmm. is prompting or questioning Mm -hmm. and it's really funny because uh just in the you and i have been you know self-help personal development growth Mm -hmm. like how can we do better in life for a while and now, you know, we've been hearing the the clarity of your questions, the clarity of your questions and getting clear on what you want. Boy, does it force you to get clear on what you want? Yeah. Like really, really clear. It's remarkable. And uh, I'm also seeing that like there's people that we occasionally associate with that are not necessarily in our world, right? Yeah. And uh, I hear... You know, they're like, yeah, it can write like an email or something, right? And I'm just like, you have no idea. It can, sure, yeah. it sure can. Yeah. Um, but I'm seeing like the clarity with which I'll say, like the bottom 99 percent mm-hmm. of humanity thinks mm-hmm. and asks, versus I'll say the top one percent asks way better questions. In other words, gives way better prompts. Prompt, yeah. So I'm curious, what do you see? Uh, like I don't I know you don't have a crystal ball but like you're creating a thing that's going to replace a lot of people a lot right 
And so what, what happens like in your, in your vision of the next 10 years, like what happens as a result of that? It's kind of hard because it's, it's like, who knows where the technology is going to go? It's just, and, it's, and the thing is the technology is going to compound. So it's like, you know, what I could say is going to happen in 10 years could happen in two years. Yeah. Right. It just kind of comes back and it's because it's being fed so much data all the time. My big thing is like, even with what I built with a tool uh, for the social media platform is they like just stay ahead of it and just understand how to use it. Like, don't try and predict what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I've never tried to predict anything that's going to happen because it's like, it makes no sense. But if like if something's coming and it makes actual makes sense, how can you be the first essentially to market yeah. and leverage it for the best output, mm-hmm. right? Like everything that we're doing is all for scale. Like that's all it comes down to. Like that's the biggest thing that we're looking at doing. Um, but understanding how can like perfect example with this tool that we're launching, we initially started to talk about it to build one out just to help our onboarding, right? Like how, because as an agency, an onboarding can take some, an average person 30 days. Yeah. It can take you two weeks. Like efficiently now, like at, for, for the levels we do, we can get it done within seven to 10 days. Mm. This tool by the end of this month is going to be able to take my onboarding to one hour, right? Yeah, like that's insane. So, like, think about the volume and the scale yeah. of everything else. So, when you think about scale, because, like, I know you said I don't predict things, but uh, it, it you in order to plan for business things in the future, you have to have some sort of vision of what the future may look like and attempt to plan accordingly. I can tell you this right now, blatantly, if I'm going to predict something, I know for a fact, even the company that I'm building, probably in 10 years from now, if it's not properly like using the AI technology to its full advantage, it won't exist. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that it just will not exist. That's so how are you planning for that? That's why we're, everything that we're doing now is just using AI, even with all of our data. Because one of the things at GrowRev, what we do is everything's data driven. Yeah. Right? We don't make any decisions outside of data. I don't care if you don't like this um ad that we've created for you does it convert yes take your emotions and remove it it's all data driven so everything everybody replay that back uh the last 15 seconds about 15 times (laughs) because that is you and i get along so well uh this is why it's great continue um so now that's right like on one end so not only on the creative side because you know we write all of our clients copy and everything else as when they're working with us um not only, so now we can output a ridiculous amount quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're now we're leveraging AI for that. Yeah. Then on the media buying side, we're building um, an AI tool for that. Um, and then even on like our data dashboards, it's all going to be fed, and then everything is going to be fed back to the AI to then eventually say, okay, now you're you know if you're let's say your metrics on certain campaigns are dropping, what is it? Is it your CTR, CPC, whatever? Does your CTR go and fix your images? Now, AI will automatically know, know, go create new images. And so are you, how, when you say you're building a tool, like we're working on some, like I'm starting to learn and understand how to feed like all of my shit into a thing mm-hmm. and have it learn. Like us, a container. Right. Mm-hmm. How are you, when you say building a tool, like logistically, tactically, uh, what are you doing? Um, well, I've partnered with one of the best guys in the industry. Okay. That's one thing that I can tell you that I'm also very good at is like, okay, finding and leveraging good relationships. Um, and we together going back and forth over probably about a month and a half now, um, because he kind of came up with the idea of wanting to do it. And then I was like, well, what if it could do this? And then what if it could do this? Because I'm a very creative thinker and like mm-hmm. wanting to be able to do certain things. And he's just like, let me see if I can do that. And literally an hour and a half later, I get a text done, test this out, check this out. Um, and because he's more of a product developer and kind of has a product engineering kind of background, he's building the entire backend. Don't even know about 
how any of that stuff works. Don't care about how any of this stuff works. Doesn't output what I'm going to sell. Mm. Yes, that's all that matters. Got it. So find the right people. There's two things I want to follow up on on that because I most of the guys that I work with, especially like the higher level guys that either I work with one on one or they're in you know a, one of our higher level programs, mm-hmm. our higher like our highest tier um, Kevlar membership is specifically around data. Mm-hmm. So I told myself I was never going to coach somebody on their business ever again. Mm-hmm. Uh, after my first agency business coaching mm-hmm. universe, unless I could actually see the real numbers of your business on command and not hear your stupid story mm-hmm. about what they are. Mm-hmm. Because you and I have seen it constantly in somebody gets on a call and they're like, uh, hey, I have this problem. And and the, the coach goes, all right, well, what's your closing rate, for mm-hmm. example? And they're like, well, it's about 30%. And the coach takes that as the answer and then goes and gives advice based on that and nine, little, 99% of the time, it's never been 30%. It's, it's been 30% one day. It's been yeah. 30%. One, they have no clue. Yeah. They have no clue. And so it's like, it's the blind leading the blind. Yeah. And so we very specifically, I'm maniacal mm-hmm. about data. And so a lot of those guys, and it's, a, it's not inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have a lot of these guys that I work with that are like relatively famous millions of followers, but creative energy. I'm the creative mm-hmm. entrepreneur guy with the vision and the shit. Um, and then I bring them back to reality, mm-hmm. but I'm also a creative guy. Mm-hmm. You're a creative guy, mm-hmm. but you only make decisions based on data. That's it. I feel like people, God, I just started a sense with, I feel like yeah. it seems as though of my observation of reality that entrepreneurs seem to put themselves in either the artist creative bucket Mm -hmm. or the manager data ops person bucket. I feel like I've noticed, Jesus, look at me no emotion, but I'm feeling all this shit. But I noticed like with me, I've noticed what's different is that I'm a almost a 50 50 hybrid and know when to use what, which one. And I kind of see that with you too. And I noticed that that's incredibly rare Mm -hmm. And I'm curious how you have you always been that way? The creative data guy, like it's just a almost an oxymoron. I hate. It's funny enough, you're talking about data. I absolutely hate spreadsheets. Mm, Like personally, hate them. Right. So I'm like, okay, well, how can we get spreadsheets into a nice dashboard? Dashboard that makes it look. I'm I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Like like if I can see it on dashboards and I can see like a red, yellow, green, like then I know exactly what I'm needing to focus on. Yeah. Right. Like so, when it comes to data side, that's a creative data. Where it's like people can go in and nerd out on spreadsheets all day long like my sure. business partners love love that stuff and i'm just like i would rather do my head in than do yeah that. i'm with um, you on that but at the end of the day it just comes down to numbers but it's like but once again it goes back to balancing the logic and emotion at the same time like emotionally you know when something is right or wrong mm. you let the logic decide what is right or wrong mm. Right. Tell, tell me more about what do you mean by that? So it's like you always, if you if you get to a point and you've done enough work, which you have as a human being, as an entrepreneur, you understand like emotionally, like you as your body, you can kind of sense certain things, and you got to be kind of in tune with it. I know it sounds woo woo, whatever, but once you get to a point where it's, you're not running in your head and you're just kind of like overthinking certain situations, yeah. you know if like does this make sense or does this not make sense? You'll be on a sales call and someone will say it's thirty percent close, and it's just like. 30% close over what period? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. You, you, is you start, that on shows or offers? Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, is it like, you just, you got to ask the, once again, go up, yeah. ask the right questions because to them, they're running in an infatuation that they close 30% one time. They can do it over and over and over again where it's like, dude, just yeah. let's just 
deal with the truth like that's all it comes down to what's the bloody truth here um and so that's kind of what it comes down to so i ask emotionally based questions but then i back it with logic right? mm. like even like when someone's coming to me and they're like you know oh we spent you know, we've spent over a million dollars on ads over what time frame right right because they know we have a threshold for them to take them on they want us to take us them on but it's like i'm not going to just take you on but it's like because me taking you on is a disservice too because if i can't provide the value to you, it makes no sense yeah um and that's kind of where it now has gone to a point where it's like i just if something just doesn't seem right emotionally mm. then i start just drilling for logic so at what point do you um it was dan henry when he was sitting right where you are I think he said this on a, on the podcast. He and if and if you haven't seen that episode, it's linked right here. Yeah. Um, he was saying if you're a brand new pilot, given your yeah. pilot thing, right? If you're a brand new pilot and you're flying and it's your first flight mm -hmm. and your instructor's here, you're here, and you hear a, a loud thud, mm -hmm. right? You're going to feel like something bad's going on, yeah. right? And so. But it might just be like the landing gear going up or whatever. Whereas the seasoned pilot, he couldn't be bothered. Mm -hmm. But if the seasons, if the seasoned pilot um, hears something and feels something's wrong, I'm going to trust his judgment on it because he has the experience. Right. So there's this, there's this timeline between I shouldn't trust my feelings yep. and I should have sure. a higher probability of my feelings being accurate yeah. a lot of the people that are listening to this um probably aren't quite at your level mm. um so at what point should you trust your gut and at what point should you tell your gut to shut the fuck up <laughs> um i think you should always trust your gut no matter what but be decisive on how you're doing it. What do you mean? Um, like a lot of times people like, you know, when people say, oh, I'm just anxious. Is it an anxious feeling? Or is it like your gut actually telling you to be like, if you're just like, if you're just like anxiously trying to trust your gut, it's mm. probably the wrong feeling. What do you, can you explain to me what you mean by that? A lot of times when people be like, oh, I was a gut feeling. I knew it was, this was a bad decision. Well, if you knew it was a bad decision, then why did you do it? Mm. Right. But if you knew it was a bad decision and then you like, at that point in time when your gut was telling you it was a bad decision, but then you went down and asked yourself why, what's the, what could go wrong here? How could this be different? And the kind of look at different questions that you could bring, get your brain to look at. Then now you're making the decision, not you're trusting your gut, but now you're having logical conversations with yourself to be, okay, does this actually make sense to do or does it not? But if you're just like, Oh my, this, you know, I, I knew I had this gut feeling. I shouldn't have done it. But then you still went and did it. You were still just run by emotion. Yeah. So it's like going back to your door to door gas savings sales. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you had people. Well, we've, we've all had people uh, that said, I'm not going to move forward with the thing because my gut tells me it's the wrong move. Right. Where it's obvious on paper, the guy is going to save half his gas bill. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But his guts telling him it's the wrong thing, it's the wrong thing to do. Um, so in that case, what would you, like how do you navigate that situation like even like people people even in sales calls today it's like oh you know just something just doesn't feel right and i go great if it doesn't feel right i probably good thing that we don't partner together and work mm. together because i don't want to get into bed with someone that doesn't isn't fully like um confident working with us because then at the end of the day you're always going to have one foot out the door and we're never going to be you're never going to give everything that we need from you to deliver the best result so if you're saying that let's just 
end this call and move on. Mm. And I'm the first person to walk away from things because like I would rather not deal with bullshit later on for no reason. So that's kind of goes back down to it. Even people would do that. That was a great example earlier. It's like, oh my gut's telling me it's not the right thing. Well then maybe your gut's right and it's not the right thing for you. Yeah. And just kind of take it away. Mm. Right. Like I'm very, very indifferent. Like all of my sales, like majority of my sales is all on indifference. Um, it takes a lot to get to that point and kind of be able to sell on indifference and nothing yeah. else. Um, but it gets them to make their decision because yeah. at the end of the day, once the person's made their decision, just move the fuck on. Like why chase it? Yeah. Like if they, as soon as you get an answer, a decisive answer, move on. Yeah. I guess the, uh, the relentless salesman in me yeah. is like, I, when I hear that my immediate, what comes up is I'm just like totally with you, but the waste, the time that I've probably just wasted as a result, when I know I could probably nuance this into a deal, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So at, at what point do you balance like, mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure that I'm at least going to get paid for this time that I just wasted mm -hmm. and walking away totally. Well, I balance that on the other side too. Like there's times where people come on calls. Like I just did a deal recently and I know for a damn fact, this specific client we just closed, I would crush it. Like we will crush it. We just, yeah. him. but he was not fully in, mm. right? He was kind of like, ah, and he's been burnt by agencies and all this other shit, all blah, 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 blah. And I said, okay, no worries. If you've been burnt by other agencies, I get it. You know, every agency makes claims, all this craziness, but at the end of the day, I can't help you that that's, that's your decision. You made those choices. I can't help that. I'm coming to you and telling you that I'm so damn confident here that I could do this for you. And if I don't do it, I'll give you every single one of your pennies back that I've taken from you and 10% more. Wow. Right. But now I'm putting, I'm also putting myself on the line yeah. in those situations. And it's like, I'll balance it. Where it's like, I'll walk away from deals. But then the ones that I'm like, I know their guts, oh, okay. their guts, their guts, okay. Their okay. guts completely wrong. Uh, that's when I'll go to bat. So okay. I'll make up for the rest of them by that going hard on the other one. That makes me feel the capitalism in me feels a, a little yeah. bit better now. Because yeah. um, I I was under the impression that you were saying no, as if they say they they trust their gut and you just then you just drop them. It just you have to you have to read the person's energy. I understand. Uh, yeah. But for the listeners out there without the experience and yeah. context, um, yeah, that's why I was asking that. But cool. I, I was thinking that yeah. was you. Yeah. And, um, and like one of the things too, like sometimes it's like I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means. Like sometimes I'll run into a situation where it's like i thought for sure you were oh, perfect. Fuck, i wish i was um but is like i'll be on a call and i'm just like i'm still kind of like i don't know like i like i'm still in that question mark like i kind of feel good about it i kind of don't feel good about it i yeah. can't get a clear outcome and then i'll just start leaning on people mm. right and then you say okay well it's like well will it i'll get my brother to do a follow-up sales call i'll get one of my partners to do a follow-up sales call i'll get my head of business development to do a follow-up sales call somebody else will do a sales call with this specific lead if i'm mm. not 100 sure and if they get the same energy the same vibe and i won't tell them about it i said hey can you just do a follow-up scene if this is a good fit for us yeah i won't tell them my vibe and then it's like they come back with a certain situation i'm like fucking knew it yeah. And if they say no, like this is what the conversation, maybe my gut was reading or my energy was reading that I was having a bad day. They were having a bad day. There's so many different things that's going on back and forth. And I was just off with them. Right. Yeah. So it's like sometimes it's like you also kind of have to be a little bit more careful and not just be like mm. ruthlessly cut it off. Where it's like, but there's certain ones where I can tell you straight. I, there's been calls where I've gotten on and I'm off that call in 10 minutes. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. It's, a, it's a 40 yeah. minute sales call, but I'm off that call in 10 minutes. Like yeah. I'm not dealing with you. I've been there as yeah. well. I've been there as well. Do you think there will come a time where, uh, I'll say sales people, business development people will be rendered totally obsolete by AI? I don't think so. Why? 
like nothing's ever going to beat human interaction. Like AI is good at certain things. You can't beat like you can. You can probably master tonality. You can master mirror and matching. You might go all that route, but nothing's like where are you going to get the emotion to logic context? Like with this mm. entire conversation, you can't. Like it's a fucking robot. Like mm. I don't see like. I, I hope I'm proven wrong. I really am, but that would suck if that happened because I do love sales so much. Yeah. Um. But I don't think it's gonna ever get to that point because it's like humans are still gonna like. I think it's gonna make our ability to sell a lot better. Yeah. Right. For example, like I I know there's tools out there probably already, but it's like like let's just say if you're on a sales call on Zoom and it's listening to like an, an otter.ai and it's like you know, um, reading your conversation and then it gets to an objection phase and based on what the objections are now your sales team is getting prompts delivered what to read back i think yeah. it's going to help sales people overall that way hmm. i don't think it's ever going to take away the sales capability you so like a one-to-one selling mm, i because i'm i'm thinking like in a company there could be the buyer and the seller and they're both ai could be you know what i mean yeah. uh and and in which case i'm always if i'm projecting into the future um I just I'm looking at like, well, at what point, like what role then does a human play if if it can if it can learn the emotional nuances, Mm -hmm. which there's a lot of reference and context for with which to train it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, is it? I don't know. It, I, it's a it's a hypothetical. What's going to like? Happen? I said, like I said earlier, I don't know. But like yeah. the, you know, the, I don't foresee it happening as quick as I think it's going to. The human aspect of sales, yeah, maybe five, ten years down from now, probably. Yeah, but I think in the immediate, it's going to definitely help expedite sales. Yeah, because if people know how to short use term, sure. like it's a good time. Yeah, in my opinion, yeah. um, like where like, but the thing is. While the technology is compounding, it's going to only open up new markets, new things, new creations going to come from it. Like the world's creating at a faster rate than we've yeah. ever created before. So because of that, it's like there's going to be an opportunity for us to use these skill sets in something else. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wild world we yeah. live in, sir. And so um, parlaying that into you, you're as far as networking and relationships, you have what appears to be a good judge of people. I mean, uh, you're hanging out with me, you know what I mean? So that's a, that's an amazing start. Um, but I'm curious, do you have criteria with which you use to evaluate whether somebody is worth, um, I'll say pursuing time with in some way or pursuing a deal with, or even just a friendship, uh, and, and whatnot, do you have rules for choosing people? Um, the easiest one is if you come to me from someone that's um, you know highly vetted. Like if you introduce someone or kind of the other way around, mm-hmm. like I'll give them a lot more of my time and attention. Uh, if you're just blatantly hammering my DMs for you know, oh, can you give me five hundred dollars so I can make my car payment today? Probably not going to do that. Um, but as long as you is the biggest thing that I believe in, and the one thing that I always stick by, and I've kind of learned this just by accident through my growing up, my family is believing in fair exchange. Hmm. right if i can bring you a shit ton of value or you can bring me some sort of value back i will give you my attention like that's all it comes down to if it's a one-way streak here i'm not going to give you my attention no you know people like one of the things that i I was literally having this conversation last night with a close friend um and he's like how do you do it he's like with everybody that comes to you for your network today it's like like i just turn them down like at the end of the day it's like i'm not you're not 
I haven't spent 10 years of my life building the network that I have access to people that I have access to for you just be like, oh, can you just introduce me so-and-so so I can get X, Y, and Z? Yeah. No, because it's not only it's a one-way output for me, but it's also one way for this person that I'm now ruining potentially my relationship with. Yeah. Right. So it's like it has there has to be fair exchange on both parties. And that's how I kind of go and do that. Now, if that happens, then it's like give me a phone call you want sure. merchant you have merchant merchant issues well i'll make as many intros and i'll ask as many people that i know in that world who are the people to go to yeah because you know like, like in in a cliche term is because it puts so much goodwill out there and just helping people it's for nothing at all it's like whenever i ask for something even mm. just like intros i get them immediately yeah so where do you especially if somebody's trying to network like above their pay grade mm-hmm. how what advice do you have for that person to not be the annoying person in the DMs yet still add value to somebody that how could I possibly add value to this person? It's Warren Buffett, you know, or whoever. Well, well, perfect example. Like I literally had a, you know, pretty much a billionaire drive me here and like hanging out with his entire family. Um, and he like he, the way I met him was just through a typical, you know, business relationship. He wanted an agency, came, hired us. I came to Orlando last year. We hung out in person. And then it was just like having be a normal human being mm. and have a normal conversation with him. Because he, one thing he says all the time is like people just want, 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 want things. I've never asked him for anything. Mm. I've just given a shitload of value in yeah. everything that he's ever done. And now I've got such a close relationship with him. I literally call him dad for as a joke now. Um, and it just becomes a point where it's just like, you know, when you give that much value to someone, it doesn't matter at what level. On the opposite side, my videographers today, you know, I've got three full-time videographers that usually travel. Like, this is the one trip that I don't have one because I literally decided on a whim to come out of Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll travel with me and the office and everything else. Two of the three videographers went out of their way to find content of mine online, created the sickest reels I've ever seen, and just sent them to me and said, go use it. Hmm. And I was like, and they knew, and you could tell because you get, people can go and take your content, chop it up, you know, do the whole irregular text overlay videos all day long. But they could tell the type of content that I was shifting my pattern to. So they took yeah. the time to study my brand and they started to look at it and then created content around that. I was like, this guy's providing value to me for free for something that I need to do. I need to give him my attention. Mm. And then now we had a conversation. They came on as contractors. And then now eventually, now eventually they're both pretty much full-time employees. So fantastic advice. It's, I think that's about the only way to just constantly give, 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 give. Um, the person who is afraid of the sunk cost in that, right? Mm. Uh, maybe I'll never get. Um, what do you say to the, because that's most people. Mm-hmm. Why would I invest all this time if uh, I may never get anything back? Uh, What is your advice to that individual? You are thinking too small, right? Like the easiest way to look at it is just you're thinking too small. Um, If you're going into anything where it's like you want a direct, and this is once again, you know, the whole marketing world has ruined it because even like Facebook ads has ruined what it was like. Oh, my ROAS was five. I was getting five times ROAS on ad spend. Well, it's like, great, go do it again. You're not going to happen, right? Like I think we've gotten to this point of what I like to call in a phrase is a microwave mentality where we put everything in a microwave, turn on for a minute, hit it, comes out, it's fully done, Mm. right? Like that's the, the easiest way to explain to it. If you aren't willing to invest and play the long game, you're going to lose. Like you are going to lose because if it's just a monetary outcome and you're like, oh, I never you know this person. I got on the phone with them. It was just a waste of time, blah, blah, blah. 
well, did you ask him who he can, if there's anybody else that can get your help? Is there anything that you could do for him? Did you ask him, you know, what he, any question around your business that you could, or his business, you could provide more value? Did you get to know him, right? Like little things like that. Like, for example, one of my clients right now is Garrett White. Mm-hmm. I have a video on my phone from him. Okay. One thing that I saw, I, I saw a story of him. Okay. Uh, on story, and he said he hadn't been, he hadn't been surfing in ages, like in ages. And he was a, crazy surfer he used to surf every single day i think he said like six months he'd been surfing and he's also one of our biggest referral partners um and in that video because we were already having a conversation internally about potentially just sending him like a big thank you gift for all that he's done for us as a company i literally sent him a custom board made by one of the top surfing uh guys and literally alex actually helped me find this dude with a warrior logo in it and mm. got it hand delivered to him and Garrett goes from people that have every single person that's ever sent me any gifts from all of my clients or partners, no one's ever sent me a surfboard. And he goes, it would be the most obvious thing to send. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like literally have the, him sending me that on a video. And the fact that he can say that is just like, because I take one extra step to make sure that the value that I give back and like even making sure that they're known, like they're bringing me value and understanding, getting to know them personally. Like what there's one getting delivered right now. Um, I got for one of my clients who sent me a referral, very large referral. And as a thank you gift, he wanted nothing. Like usually we'll give referral commission. He's like, I want nothing. He's like, I want you to just take care of them because I know you will. So I know he's a massive Green Bay fa- uh, Packers fan. And I literally got him a signed Aaron Rodgers helmet that's getting delivered to him this week. Right. Like so the little, people listening to this, though, that aren't like, okay, I can't do custom surfboards yeah. and fucking sign stuff. Yeah. But what do I do? But just go small. Like, can you get them a, like a custom knife with it? Like, or something that means the world to them. And you go on cutco.com and literally get knives that are custom made. Mm. Like literally their name, their logo. It's going to cost you 150 bucks. Yeah. You don't have to go spend thousands of dollars. I'm just giving you like, think differently. Yeah. Right. Like think differently. Even for perfect example, one of the, one of my board members that's on our board in the company today, when we first signed them on, like we were just, we were going back and forth and I wanted this, this gentleman on my board very aggressively because of the way we were growing the company. But I knew the one thing, and it, and I knew number one thing, his value outside of business was family, mm. right? He's got six kids. Um, he spends a lot of time with his kids and a lot of time with his wife. A lot of kids. And a lot of kids. And, but his family, family, family. And you can see that all the way through, like every single time. And he'll do anything for that, even though he's built a very, very large company, very large network, all this craziness. Once we brought him on board, it was his wife's birthday, like I think a week or two weeks later. And he posted it that morning on Instagram or something, posted a story. And I just texted him with no context and said, can I have your address? Because mm. he's probably thinking I'm sending him some paperwork for the board, whatever, uh, for all of the paperwork they need to get signed. And I just had my assistant send his wife flowers oh. for her birthday. You can say adoption papers. Yeah, it's not smart kids. They're in a basket on his front yeah, lawn. I just had, his, front porch. had nothing to do with business at all. But I knew his number one value was his family for him and his yeah. wife, right? And I sent his wife um, flowers on her birthday, wishing a happy birthday from the mm. ProRef team. That one move, literally now anything that if he, if I need him on a phone call, he's at the family yeah. or for whatever reason, it's like a 911 situation, she's going to forever remember that. And he's always going to remember that. We're always going to have that their back, right? It's not a business transaction. You're also, you're also getting in bed with your family. It's just like, look outside of that on how you can give value to the rest of their family. Yeah, I like that's... Yes. So much yes on that. I um I love this question. Speaking of asking good questions, you've given a lot of uh, great 
insights, uh, for lack of a better term, great nuggets. Um, and that's doing that an entirely disservice by yeah. calling it a nugget. Um, everybody needs to go and rewatch this and take a bunch of notes or have AI take notes for you. Um, but what's one question, speaking of good questions, that everybody who wants to be successful should be asking themselves? Like the number one question. Why am I doing this? Tell me. The reason, like, why are you doing this for me? Specifically, tell me just so, uh, explain that for for like those. you need to be, you need to get you know it goes back down to that whole cliche term of like the seven layers or whatever of getting to the yeah. deep rooted cause of why everybody talks about passion, but I don't think passion is going to drive you. It's purpose, mm. right? Like my biggest thing is if you aren't doing this for a bigger purpose, yeah, you're going to give up, right? When things get tough, where this whole recession situation, everything's getting clawed back. You know, you can't get as much credit anymore, and all this craziness. Everything's getting harder and harder and harder, but the one thing that's not going to get taken away is the reason you're doing this. Yeah. It's a purpose that you have. Well, you for can, you, what is it then? So for me, for the longest time, it was just, I wanted to do something that I truly enjoyed. Mm-hmm. That was a passion in me, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, if I'm not having fun, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, you can see through my Instagram content. I'm out all the time, having a good time. And just, but I do, but I'm also mixing in business and pleasure doing it at the same time. Then when I started to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and I sat down and I asked myself, well, why am I doing this? And mm-hmm. I was actually was when I was on a call with T Martini once, the biggest reason I realized that I even got into this business was because of what one will go all the way back to the beginning of this podcast was because of what I saw my family go through. Mm. Having a massive company that was completely taken advantage of that when they tried to relaunch it, they couldn't relaunch it. And they couldn't, they, not that they couldn't relaunch it, they could relaunch it, but they didn't really have the wherewithal and the backbone to do it anymore because they were worried it was going to happen again. Mm. And that's why they just played it safe and didn't market as heavy. So today I have a company that markets companies that takes an entrepreneur that has an idea and also got something that's figured out and help them scale it because I have a skill set from human behavior psychology and direct response marketing. Sure. And I can blow up these brands. Yeah. That's my purpose. Hmm. Right. So it's literally for me now I've correlated back to the beginning for me that what what difference I could have made then in my family's life is what difference can I make in other people's hmm. lives today. And yeah. The ripple that comes from that. Yeah. Now do you feel like because I, I kind of, if if I'm being honest, and I, I've had this conversation with a number of people um, of your ilk, and the the answers, and and quite frankly, people that are you know at at every level of the game. Because I think when people talk about purpose, I feel like it gets dumped into like the altruism bucket mm-hmm. of just like, oh, I just really love seeing people succeed. Yeah. Um, narcissism. You got to balance altruism and narcissism at the exact same time. Yeah. So like I, um, for me, I find myself in the, it it almost is, I think you have to have uh, pretty much an exact balance of the two because ultimately like I like seeing people win, Mm -hmm. but it's not why I do what I do. You know what I mean? Like it's also building a business at the end of the day. So it's uh it's just really interesting though because I think uh at least from a public perception standpoint of the the whole why thing mm-hmm. it goes into like the to save the whales and and solve you know yeah but even even the ones saving the whales like all those nonprofits they're still taking yeah money out of it so tell me what do you mean when you say balance the it has to be perfectly balanced why do you say that so like for me to do what I need to do and get out of bed every single day and still want to keep going mm-hmm. and not just be like I oh, put my legs up sell everything and just chill out on the beach. And, Mexico and be fine with just drinking margaritas because yeah. I could. Um, is at the point where it's like, am I? I'm here 
one time. Mm. I have figured out what my purpose is currently, and it could change five, ten years down the road. It could have sure. something bigger later on that I want to be after going after. Um, you know, look at Elon Musk's purpose. Look at Jeff Bezos' purpose. They have a massive reason as to what they're doing. What they're doing. They have a fucking vision that no one can even compete with at this yeah. point in time because they see things that we don't. Even, we can't even see. But the, on the other side of it, it's like, okay, if I'm going to go do this, I'm going to go help these businesses and clients get to that point. If they're going to win, how am I going to win? Mm. I'm going to be fulfilled doing it. I'm going to be satisfied doing it. Yeah. But I still need to put food on the table. I still want to enjoy my life. I still want to have a good time. So they're going to have to pay in fair exchange for me to balance my altruistic side and being able to give them what I know, the knowledge that I have, and my narcissistic side of understanding that I want to get paid in fair exchange to be able to get this done. Yeah. And if we can have that in proper balance, we're all going to win. Yeah. I'm going to give them what I know. They're going to give me what I need and they're going to get what they want. Beautifully said. What is one question that I should have asked that I didn't ask? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, Thank you. That's a good question. I don't know. I think it's been it's been pretty interesting. Like even look at this podcast. Like the the first half of this podcast was like such a narcissistic side of the come like sitting here thinking about it as we're going through it, talking about like heavy weighted lawsuits and all this craziness to come out to the other side and just have this entire opportunity to be able to share and like understand like literally look at the conversation. Like on one end we're talking about getting sued, on the other end we're talking about just giving shit away for free, right? Like people's like. How the fuck does this make any sense? It yeah. doesn't logically make any sense. Sure. But it's like understanding how can you get in balance with it and just stay there. Yeah. So was that a question that yeah, I should have not, asked? Not that a was question. Just an observation. Just an observation of this podcast. I was just like, look, think my brain was just going a million miles a second while we were talking. I was like, that's a really good observation. Like for anybody that only watched 10 minutes of this podcast, didn't watch the rest, <laughs> I feel bad for you. Yeah. Well, and congratulations. If you're still watching, make sure you subscribe, like, uh this video share it and all that good stuff um no question that i should have asked that i didn't ask is there a question that you want to ask no i'm just asking uh something i i'm always interested to hear i don't know man like it's, it's been interesting because it's a very cool podcast because usually it's like it's usually like singular driven based on like agency or revenue or all the sure. stuff so you can ask questions but like based on what we've already talked about it's a lot um I don't know. All right, cool. Then we we covered we covered it all with Rohan. What? Uh, where can people learn more about you? What you do? Uh, where do you want to send people? Um, the most active space that I'm currently on right now is Instagram. Um, that's where I'm at. Uh, it's my Instagram handle. Um, and then if you want to know more about me, just grow rev or just reach out on Facebook if you're one of John's friends. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Well, um, I know that uh, this has been one of my favorite episodes so far. So, Thanks for having me. It's yeah. been a minute since I've done a podcast. So it's been oh, a good. good. Well, I, I feel honored. Yeah. I feel honored. Well, uh, cool, bro. I really appreciate you coming. And um, I, I, I've i learned even more about why we get along so well after chatting with you. So thanks so much, dude. Appreciate it. Yeah, you got a wicked setup here. So this is sick. Thank you, bro. Thanks for utilizing it. Absolutely. Cool. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for making it to the end and I hope you got something out of it. The good news is I've got another one that you're going to like and the link is right here. All you have to do is click it and I'll start playing. So go ahead and click that now and I'll see you in the next one.